This morning, we are gathered to praise Jesus, to hear God's word together. This word um, has been in the making for some time. Um, The Lord led us in prayer to consider, and we shared last week that we were pushing pause on that series on Acts. We've gone through Luke, and we got through Acts 2, and it seemed um, good and right to the pastors and the board um, to make a shift and to enter a sermon series on a life of rest. And so even as the disciples, um, as Pentecost was poured out, they devoted themselves to God's word because there was a whole new way that God was going to work in their lives and they needed to know the Lord more deeply and to know his word, to be devoted to that, to um, grow as followers of Jesus who would rely on the Holy Spirit. And so it seemed that the Lord would also invite each of us into that deeper knowing of him through a series on um, rest. And so this was planned months ago. So when I read the text, it's going to sound very, very appropriate for um, particularly for Dane and I in the week that we've gone through in losing his mom. I just want you to know I didn't cherry pick this this week because this is what I wanted to reflect on. This was God's good gift um, to us, to the Westras, as they've been anticipating um, leaving and um, going and following the Lord. And so the Lord goes before and prepares the way. And so let's look together at Matthew 11 verses 25 to 30. Matthew 11, verses 25 to 30. 1570? 1517 in your Bible in your chair. All right. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. And when he's referring to that, he's talking about those that rejected the miracles that were done and then those that received. And he's saying, the The Lord has opened their eyes. He's given them, like little children, faith to believe these things. All these things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then Jesus says these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's good word to us this morning. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about The river is here, and the river is coming. The river is here, and the river is coming. And so why do I have pictures 
of lumberjacks up there. Well, that got me thinking about the Grand River. So I started researching the Grand River, and I found out some history about Michigan that um, I wasn't as familiar with. And it has to do with the development of West Michigan and the role that the river had in that. And so um, back in the day, the lumberjacks, they, um, after the Civil War, I believe, it was um, some of those people were like, well, what can we do? And so they realized that there were these resources of large forests and trees. And so uh, remember, this is before chainsaws. This is before the big semis that come with the flatbed trailers and the equipment to lift these things. And so um, think about the work that was involved with the lumberjacks as they are picking up and moving these logs, um, just sawing them. I mean, I just, it's really mind-boggling. In this picture, I mean, if you're thinking about weary and heavy laden, I just thought that picture was amazing. And then um, when you think about the horses that are in the harness together and are going to pull this weight, right? Heavy, heavy-duty work. Um, however, there's this thing called the Grand River. It's the longest river in Michigan. Um, it starts down south of Jackson, comes up, goes over by Lansing, makes a little loop-de-loop by Ionia, Lowell, Grand Rapids, and on out to um, the Big Lake, Michigan. And so this river was really key because they were doing this heavy, heavy work. But the way that they got the logs down to the sawmills is they put them in the river and they floated them. And if you think about, I don't know, I spent some time thinking about logs floating this week. And it's crazy, like how much work it would take to lift a log I mean, you couldn't even lift those great big logs that we just saw. I mean, it would take so many people, and yet you put it in water, and it's floating. It has to do with the density of the water and the density of the log, and there's air in that log. All right, so these logs would get put in the river. They'd come down river, and then there were sawmills, and then Grand Rapids was known as Furniture City. And so there was many furniture factories. And so then that helped create the logs for building houses and furnishing homes. And West Michigan was developed, and the river had a big part to play in it. Now I want to tell you about the lumberjacks. They wore um, red flannel, and they, so Cedar Springs, red flannel town up there, right? Um, They wore um, felt clothing, felted wool. And uh, they also were rowdy, and, um, but they got tired. And so I read that as part of when they finished their day's work, they got free vittles, and I had to double-check it because I thought, this is sounding like my Appalachia roots, and it's saying this happened in Michigan. But So free food, for those of you that don't know what vittles means, uh, it means home-cooked some good stuff. And anyway, and then they would stay at hotels. And at those hotels, their, um, the shoes that they wore had spikes in them to hang onto the trees. Well, those spikes were tearing up the boardwalks, and they were tearing up the inside of the hotel, the floors, because of the spikes. And so I want to show you what um, these tree spikes 
current day ones look like, but you see those spikes on the end? And so you can imagine, and I, Dane said, you're not going to wear those to preach, are you? And I said, no, because it will ruin our carpet and put holes in this floor and um, that's wood underneath here. But um, they started giving out carpet slippers is what they called them. So that the lumberjacks, they were asked to take their spiked boots off and put on carpet slippers so that it would um, indicate, number one, they weren't at work anymore, and it would um, protect the flooring where they were staying. And so all that is a little history about how the river was responsible for the fast development of West Michigan. Well, we heard that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that river of God's love, was responsible for the fast development of the mission right there um, in Jerusalem, right? And so the early church was having to learn a new way of life. They were devoted because they were trying to understand how is it that instead, oh, I've got tree sap on me from holding those spikes. Um, So now I'll smell like pine tree. (laughs) All right. So anyway, random ADD thought. So, um, yeah, so they had to learn a new way of life when they, you know, all of a sudden, instead of manually, they were envisioning the Pharisees, how hard they worked, and that we're going to pray, and the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out and empower us, and this is the way the mission is going to work. It would, I would imagine it would feel like what happened between the shift of trying to manually lift the log and putting it in the water and watching it float, and you can just use a poker and push it and float it wherever you want it to go in that direction. Imagine that. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. That first word, come, it's a command. It's not an optional. But it's not like an angry parent that says, come here right now. It's not that at all. It's like, come. Come now. Come, come on, come now, come. It's invitational, it's warm, it's like Song of Songs. If you haven't read Song of Songs, go read it. It's a picture of God's love for us, his church, his bride. So come, come now. Come to me, come to me. That word come, when I was learning um, in the Greek, it got me really confused because the same Greek word meant in the, the simple, not the command, but in the simple, it meant to come, to go. And I just could not understand. I'm a very black and white thinker, and I'm thinking, how can it be that the same word means to come somewhere or to go somewhere? Like, this just sounds like, you know, stop and go or something. You know, like just, I, I, you know, it was really bugging me. So I met with my Greek tutor, Dr. Verbrugge, from um, Zondervan, and he sat across a table from me, and um, I'm going to just use this table and me. And um, he said, okay. He said, let's just say that um, this is a me, so um, to come. And he said, a me. To go. Amy, to come. You know, and so we pushed this back and forth for a while, and, and I'm like, still not registering. 
And he said, it's the perspective, Gina. He said, it's the same action. He says, you know, come to me. Come. He said, something had to come, but something was leaving from somewhere else. Okay? So Jesus says, come to me. Well, what does that mean? It means... And I'm saying this, I'm going to kind of vacillate a little bit between a word for everybody and a word to the Westers. But when Jesus today is saying, come to me, he's saying, come. And that's going to mean leaving somewhere else. It's going to mean leaving home for a while. It's going to mean leaving the church that you love so deeply. It's going to mean leaving routines that are so comfortable you're going to have to leave some things to come. But he's saying, come. Come now. Come now. He's saying that to each of us. He's saying, come. Come now. There's things that have been distracting you in your life. There's things that have been keeping you um, away from me. And he's saying, come. Come now. He's saying, come to me. Not go to, you know, the person that gives you advice, not get online and Google something to try to figure out your problem. He's saying, come, come to me. He says, come to me, you who are weary. And this idea of weary is the idea of a military backpack, and this is not a military backpack, but it's the idea, and I love this, that it's somebody that carries a really large backpack. Large backpacks are for longer trips. You carry a little backpack for a day trip, maybe with a little water bottle in it if you're going further away. But when you're going for a long trip, you have to carry a lot of rations. And so he's saying, come to me, you who are weary. I have such a great husband that helps me with so many things, including food for potluck every month. All right. Um, So come to me, you who are weary. This means that you're somebody that's on a long trip and it's not over. It means this is a time to replenish and refuel and repack the backpack for the next leg of the journey. And I don't know about you, but I love that. <laughs> because, you know, in some ways, this sending off of the westers could feel kind of permanent. Like, what? You know, and it's not permanent. It's just for a limited time. But still, it can feel kind of like, a, a, you know, like, ugh. I love this. When I found out, that this was about somebody, it's saying, you who are bone tired, you are weary because you've been carrying a heavy, heavy load. You've been giving it your all. And he's saying, I see you. I know you. Come to me. Come. Come to me. You're going to take off this heavy backpack, but you're not taking it off permanently. There's another leg of the journey There's more to go, but you need to be replenished. Your supplies need to be replenished. And so, come to me. 
the job's not done. You're actually going to do some work with the Lord. And he's going to restore, replenish, strengthen, refill, refuel. Westers are not the only people that have been carrying heavy, heavy loads for a long, long time. But there is something about being a pastor. And um, Dane suggested that I wore the backpack from the time I came in this morning and not take it off. To give you, you don't see, we don't see what Pastor Dave carries. He carries it from the morning, and this is what Nate Adama shared with us a while back about sabbatical. This is why the churches give sabbaticals, is because the pastor carries the load from the time he wakes up till the time he goes to bed. He might get his sleep interrupted in the night by a phone call or by a prayer, call to prayer from the Lord. The backpack is on, on evenings, on weekends, on holidays. It's on early on Sunday morning when final details are getting worked out while the rest of you are wondering if you're going to get up at 8 or 8.30 or 9 or 9.30 to come to church or quarter to 10. Um, Just saying. Um, There's somebody that's and others that are carrying some heavy loads. And this is somebody that's been weary. And even like the glasses, they're out for a little break right now. They're a couple. And there's many couples in this church. And if I start naming, then I'll get in trouble. But there are many people and individuals and couples that carry a heavy load. And Jesus says, if you're weary, if you're weary, come to me. Now, he also says, if you're burdened. Now, this is the idea that um, there's something that you were normally, because all of us, there's work to do. In God's kingdom, there's always work to do. But somehow we got burdened with an extra load, something all of a sudden very heavy, and I don't see anything very heavy, but let's just say that this was 50 pounds, you know, and all of a sudden I've got this. And maybe this might be the phone call that we have a funeral this week. Or maybe this means a diagnosis that all of a sudden you're walking with that you weren't planning on, and all of a sudden you were doing all right with the load, but now there's a heavy load. It's a burden. Maybe it's a relationship struggle. And all of a sudden, there's this tension and it becomes a burden and you're carrying it. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Maybe it's a, it's a missing, missing grandchildren that you don't get to see. I know there's parents that don't get to see their children. There's situations that happen and they're burdens and they're heavy and they're weighty and they weigh us down. And we could have maybe made it up that hill in our own strength, but we know that this burden is weighing us down. We need to get to the river of God's love and let him carry us. He's saying, come, come to me. And you'll find rest. He says, come and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke and you will find rest. But do you hear that, that there's a condition? It's a promise, but there's a condition. There's something that we have to do. We have to come to him. We have to go to him. And we will find rest, peace, shalom. God will set things right. Take my yoke upon you. 
that taking of yokes in the Bible, quite often a yoke, like don't get taken again with the yoke of slavery. So there's oftentimes the idea of a yoke being a heavy thing and not good. But Jesus says, he turns it around and says, it's going to be a good thing. You're not being forced to take this yoke. You come and take this yoke. You initiate it. You put your neck in right along Jesus, and you walk together. You're devoted to Jesus. You're staying in step with Jesus. He's saying, come, take my yoke. Step right in. And because we're spending so much time together, you're learning because you're so familiar with the way that Jesus does it. We learn how to live this life in dependence on the Father. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So he's not yoking us down for heaviness and walking around discouraged all the time. He's teaching us how to use the river of God's love, if you will, or to receive the grace that God would give to let these burdens be lifted and carried by our Father. He says, learn from me, for I am gentle. And that word gentle goes back to the Old Testament, and it's a picture of the reliance that the Israelites were to have on the Father as they went through the wilderness, trusting him for everything, the food, the water, the shoes on their feet, they didn't wear out, right? Like, um, total dependence. To be gentle is to be dependent on God, to trust God's sovereignty, even when things are hard, that God has purpose and that he will deliver. And so when things are hard, rather than this, because even this week I was thinking, Lord, your timing on this, like why the funeral this week when we've got so many things to finish up and wrap up before Pastor Dave leaves and there's a sermon to write, and yet then I am thinking, oh, God's sovereign. His timing is perfect. He wanted me to even be a living demonstration to you that God will give what's needed in the time. And so let's rely on him rather than relying on our own ability to do things. Let's rely on him. Trust his goodness and control so that we're not um, preoccupied with ourselves and self-interest. We don't have to take care of ourselves if we trust he's going to care for us. We don't have to promote ourselves if we trust that he's going to lift us up. Is that making sense? And so learn from Jesus because Jesus trusted the Father to take care of him. Even in the difficulty of going to the cross, the Father, he was gentle. Jesus was gentle. He trusted that even while hard, there was purpose, redemptive purpose, He gives us salvation through what he did and that God would deliver. And humble in heart means not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. And so humble in heart means to actually just be flat out in worship before the Lord, like in so in awe and reverence of him that we are just laid out to not get up because we are in this posture of just absolute amazement who God is, being submitted to his loving care. So all of our passions submitted to the Father, all of our thoughts, all of our appetites, the things we want 
our affections, even our purposes in life, learn from Jesus. Because look what a beautiful story Jesus walked out for us. And as we submit to the Father, he's going to do immeasurably more in our lives and through our lives than all we could ask or imagine. Just, Lori, stay in that posture of being reverent before the Lord. Anna, stay submitted to the Father's will. Nick, you've got plans and purposes. God does. Make sure yours are aligned with his. Your thinking teacher, trust him. He'll guide you. He'll lead you. The disciples, going back to Pentecost again, afterwards they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were receiving the revelation. Remember, Jesus says, you know, only those that the Father, you know, has him reveal will see and understand that this is the king and this is the kingdom. And so they're receiving revelation as they're studying the word and they're learning to rest in the river of God's love. And so the Father's will for each of us is a life of rest. Now that does not mean laziness. It means rest. It means trust. It means going to a place of calm before the Lord in this scripture. And they say when pastors go on sabbatical that sometimes it can take a couple of months to get to that place of rest. You've been almost running on adrenaline. We need that place of rest. And so stay in that place of rest. So what that means for you maybe it doesn't mean we're not all taking, we don't all get called to take a sabbatical, but it is not a vacation he's going on. He's going on a sabbatical, a time of pursuing the Lord and coming to Jesus until he gets to that place of nourishing and filling, and the same for Anne and the same for the children. But for us, he calls us to that place. And so it means don't set your timer and think five minutes will do me in the word this morning. It means go to the word and read and pray until he speaks to you. Because he wants you to have that refreshment, recreation. He recreates us even through his word. And so what does that mean for us? It means for each of us, it's not just the Westras that are being commissioned into a life of rest. We all are being commissioned and called into from Jesus himself. Come to me. You are weak and heavy laden. I'm just looking at somebody going to seminary right now and saying, Maddie, go to Jesus. Right? Tao and Beth, you just got back from Nepal. You've poured out, you've poured out, you've poured out. Come to Jesus. He says, come to me today. Nancy, the same thing. At Calvin, leading a huge ordeal of all kinds of wonderful things, of teaching students about the power of the Holy Spirit in a conference and launching into the second semester. Come to Jesus. Terry, come to Jesus. Rick, come to Jesus. Dot, come to Jesus. Every one of us, he's saying, come, you've got things that are on your heart. Margaret, come to Jesus. Charles, John Baptiste, come, come to Jesus. He's saying, come to me. You're weak, you're tired, I want to give you rest. The Wester family, come to Jesus. He's saying, take off. You're not taking off pastor, you're pastor. But you're taking off the preaching of the word but you're staying in the ministry of prayer. But you're taking off the heavy, 
heavy weight today. And he's saying, don't go into this sabbatical with these on. You're going to do damage to your household if you stay with these spikes on. He's saying, put on carpet slippers. And that doesn't mean that you're sleeping. You're not, you will sleep. But it's not like you're just laying around sleeping all the time. You're, um, now you can help me with that. Unbuckle that a minute. You're coming into this place of rest. And so he's saying, put on the carpet slippers. And, um, yeah, there we go. So carpet slippers. Research carpet slippers this week. Um, what are the best non-smelly, most comfortable, form-fitting, arch-support carpet slippers. I don't know if you'll like them or not, and if you don't, you can get a different kind of carpet slipper that works well for you. But those carpet slippers, Anne helped me with this a little bit, and uh, she said, get the ones that have the soles on them so that you can step outside, and that's, that's good. Their work is going to be inside and outside, but it's going to be recreation. And I want this to be a visual for you, that this is rest. You're wearing a different kind of shoe. Um, <laughs> he's got the, and, and from the church to the children, um, slippers, this is not slipper season, you guys. So um, they've got colorful socks, and they've got candy. And... Um, <laughs> Let this be a picture. Let this be a picture. When you look at slippers, when you look at socks that are fun colors, that this is a season of rest and recreation and being with the Lord and doing some of the work that when you're, you know, you're at home being a mom and a wife, but you also are a full-time teacher of your children. You homeschool. And so somehow the Lord wants to give you some guidance and and understanding even more. And you've led the prayer ministry and the nursery supervisor, coordinator. Um, And and she read and edited every single sermon I wrote for the first four years of ministry. And so the Lord is saying, come to me. He's saying, come. Pastor Dave, he's saying, come, come now, come to me. Rest, rest, rest. He's saying to each of us, come, and the beginning of all rest is in what Jesus has done for us in the cross. Jesus says, come to me, and so what better way for us to respond to this message than to come to him in the table.